You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, let's go, Buffalo. Hey, let's go, Buffalo. The bills make me wanna. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, Bills fans. Welcome to a special edition of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and it is an exciting week, Bills fans, as it's the Bills-Ravens game today, which may be the biggest Bills game since... I don't know. Last week, <laughs> it's a. It, either way, it's a very exciting game when the nine and three Bills take on the ten and two Ravens in Buffalo. Jacob and Spencer from the Baltimore Beatdown podcast wanted to talk with me about the Bills and what our weaknesses and strengths are. But I was able to ask them about the Ravens' weaknesses and strengths, their great defense, Lamar Jackson, of course, and how, if at all. You're able to beat Lamar Jackson defensively, and they have some really great insight on that. These are guys, obviously, that, that do podcasts about the Baltimore Ravens each week, two to three times a week, and they watch film. I mean, these guys are great. They're total class act. They love the Bills Mafia, and you'll see it within uh, our the few questions that I ask them. Uh, but for now, let's talk to Jacob and Spencer from the Baltimore Beatdown podcast about the Baltimore Ravens, their defense, and Lamar Jackson. But yeah, I mean, so the Bills are nine and three this season. Uh, th- this is the best record we've seen as a fan base since 1996, when Jim Kelly was quarterback. The Ravens are ten and two. They've beaten juggernauts in the NFL like the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Packers, and the 49ers. and they're the number one seed in the AFC right now. I mean, is this the best Ravens team you've seen as fans? Or, I mean, are, is, I, I guess in your lifetime, is this is this the best team that you've seen put together? Best offense by far, by far, by far, by far, by far, best offense. It's hard to say, and yeah, off. I mean, there, it's not a ton to compare it to, but it's definitely the best offense. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it's kind, of, it's a little bit hard to say because, like I was telling you before we started recording here, that I was born in '95, so I have some vague memories of 2000. Not a whole lot. I first started getting into football around 2006. That was a great team, 13 and three with Steve McNair. And uh, 2011 was another amazing regular season team. And then 2012, obviously, was a Super Bowl year. So there's some good competition for sure. We were talking about this a little bit with Banks, who is the uh, Barstool blogger for uh, the Ravens. And uh, we kind of came to the conclusion, I think, that this is definitely right in the mix. And uh, as it stands right now, I would say they certainly have a chance to be uh, the best Ravens team I've ever seen. Just the mixture of great offense, defense that has really come around and turned into a good defense as well. Both coordinators are on the head coaching, uh, you know, block here. And uh, Harbaugh is probably as good as ever with how he's, you know, handled things, how he's even handled the media. I think he's just done a tremendous job. So uh, for me, they're, they're right up there. 
the Ravens team that had the Billy Cundiff wide right that should have beat the Patriots, I think would beat this Ravens team though. That was, I think, the best the best team. I mean, they had like prime Haloti Nada, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were like still pretty frisky. And then Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith were like, I don't know. I think that team was crazy, crazy, crazy balanced. That might be the team I think is that is best. Um, but yeah, this team is the most exciting and the best offense for sure. Yep. So you also look at it from the standpoint of outlook too, because this is Lamar Jackson's only second season. You guys are ten and two. Like you got to be psyched as far as you know watching what this team can do, and then potentially for years to come. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be it's not a thing where this is just going to happen every year because this has been pretty much the perfect season just dropped out of heaven, essentially, uh, outside of the first four weeks, which were a little dicey, um, you know, towards the end of that first quarter. But, yeah, it's been kind of the perfect season. You don't necessarily want to set your expectations for this because even look at Mahomes. I mean, he was in the same spot last year where he was the darling of the of the NFL. He's on the Madden cover and everything. And now, you know, he's still playing well this year, but he's had an injury plague season. The team success is not where it was last year. So ultimately, it's a thing where you're very hopeful for the future. You don't want to get too ahead of yourselves or over your skis or however you would say it. But uh, it does feel good to be at the start of, you know, kind of a new era uh, and one in which you're potentially set up for some long-term, uh, you know, success in terms of wins. So we talk about the Ravens. How do you beat the Ravens if, if you're the Buffalo Bills? I mean, do you how do you attack them offensively? How do you attack them defensively? How do you beat this team that seems somewhat unbeatable? I mean, they haven't been beaten. Uh, you know, to be quite frank, and I, you know, I don't like to be that fan. It's all puffing his chest out, but I just I really haven't seen it. Uh, yet up to this point, especially at least since, you know, that transition that I mentioned back in week four, when they decided to be aggressive about fixing the defense, they've done it in every single way. They've blown teams out. They've won close ones. They've, uh, dominated on the ground. They've dominated through the air and they just proved that they could go head to head with a, uh, another heavyweight team last week in San Francisco and they beat them. So like we were talking about it a little bit when we were recording earlier, I wouldn't be surprised to see Buffalo get the win here, but I just, I don't know how I could predict it because I just haven't seen it happen in so long. I mean, what is the best way to stop Lamar Jackson? Or the, and you've seen that other people have been able to do. I mean, they've only done it twice. The, the Ravens have only lost two games. How do you stop Lamar Jackson defensively? I mean, for me, you can't run man coverage. He throws the ball very well against man coverage. He's if you blitz out of man, you are dead. He the Ravens will have an explosive play every time. You cannot run man coverage. You cannot run cover zero. You want to have, to me, like we saw the 49ers, they run a four-man defensive line. They run a 4-3. No, you need to have, it doesn't have to be stand-up necessarily, but you want to have every gap covered so that there are less throwing lanes and there are less running lanes. And he's going to have to peel out and you run zone basically. I mean, don't blitz more than five because if he gets a step on whoever is on the edge, he can throw, he can run, and then straight up, he's just making good decisions against the blitz. So I'm running almost exclusively zone, and I'm putting you know a five-man front and trying to make a mess for him to have to sort through at least. And an interesting stat pertaining to the Ravens, and their, their offensive line's been getting a ton of accolades, and well, not accolades, but acclaim. And Next Gen Stats has the Ravens opposing pass rushers taking almost a full second at like .94 seconds to cross the line of scrimmage in pass rushing, in pass plays, and it's like it's significantly 
lower than any other team in the NFL. So teams are very tentative to cross the line of scrimmage because if you rush around him, he's gone and he has the speed. I mean, he that's why Madden just gave him, you know, the little Michael Vick, this, that and the other for how fast he is. So if you rush around him, he's gone. The Seahawks were like the prime example of rushing past him and letting him get the outside and, and get a running lane. So it's it's really just being very patient and disciplined and making Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards kind of beat you between the tackles and not letting him keep bouncing outside. And then the options, he's it's I don't know what to say about those particularly. And I mean, I do consider myself very heavy X's and O's guy. He it you you can cover it perfectly. He'll pull the ball, he'll fake the ball. A gentleman just got in a lot of trouble for comments about the ball, but he truly is so damn good at being slippery with that in the belly and how long he can hold the mesh point. It's, you know, a lot of it is if he makes the right decision and does the right thing, and then it's it's really hard to play perfect defense. I mean, he just chewed the 49ers completely apart, made Nick, Nick Bosa didn't even know where the ball was three quarters of the game, and he was a guy that people were talking about as defensive player of the year. Um, but yeah, so... That's my take on it, at least. Stay home, um, you know. Yeah. Try and stop that run up the middle, and do not get fooled by the play action because he is absolutely deadly off of play action. Uh, it's a huge part of the offense, and it's interesting because I was watching today the training camp videos coming out of Ray Ray McLeod simulating him. I think that's the first time I've ever actually seen that in practice. I've seen. Uh, you know, a lot of people from other teams tweeting about who they were using to simulate him. Sometimes it's wide receivers. I think the 49ers use Richie James. The Bengals used Andy Dalton because, of course, they did. And uh, But just watching McLeod today, it was interesting because he was doing a lot of the play action similar to the way Lamar does it where he gets into that pistol, he takes it, and then he just sort of tucks it uh, you know, down into his stomach and uh, fakes it really, really well to the running back. So uh, I just think his ability to sell play action is huge. So if you can manage to not get fooled by that, then that's maybe a, a good way to set yourself up to uh, have some success. And even removing, just I don't know for me, just even removing how fast he is, his ball fake ability with hiding the ball is truly remarkable. So you talked about with just just running the ball and, and play action and playing zone coverage against him. Is let's talk about Lamar's arm because nobody talks about that. Everyone always talks about how dynamic he is with the ball in his hand. What what are his strengths passing the ball? Is he is he good on the deep ball? Is he good on the intermediate ball? Is he good? Yeah, I mean, what what are his strengths as a passer? He is good at the deep ball, and it also feels like he is a very good kind of timing thrower. He sort of knows when to throw the ball, where to put it, and he knows how to lead a receiver really well. There was a play uh, last week where it really essentially helped him win the game, where he had the play action I was talking about. He booted right. And then uh, Roman had a great play design where uh, Hayden Hurst, the tight end, kind of leaped back in towards the middle of the field. And he did a great job adjusting his platform and kind of throwing it in a position where Hurst could catch it and run it and uh, essentially put them in a spot where they can milk the clock. So uh, I would say that. And, yeah, he is kind of, I think, at least an underrated deep ball thrower. There was a uh, play at the end of the Cardinals game. Uh, back in week two, um, where it really it was like, OK, this guy's for real. Um, and it was to win the game again. It was like third down and 11. Uh, they were up six. And you basically had if you don't convert, then they're going to get the ball. The Cardinals are going to going to get the ball back with a chance to drive to win. And uh, he just stands back there. Hollywood Brown is streaking up the seam and he just puts, you know, back shoulder dime right on him right next to the sideline. And perfect coverage, just perfectly covered on the hip as well. Yeah, it was perfect. And, you know, it's not 
overly often that he hits those, but nobody hits those overly often at all. So I think the fact that he's able to hit those every couple of weeks and sometimes multiple times a game, I think uh, he is an underrated deep ball thrower. For me, his best assets as a passer are, are his eyes and his ability to move linebackers and safeties. Because I was like I was saying, no one wants to play man, so everyone's playing zone. So safeties are looking at him. And he moves linebackers and safeties when he's playing well, which he did not do against the 49ers, and that's why he struggled a lot. Rain was another factor, but he moves linebackers and safety. Like he'll snap the ball and just stare at the safety for the first two beats of the play, give him a little look to the left, and then destroy a rocket where the safety moved away from. And that's, I mean, he ripped the Rams apart. He ripped the Texans apart with his eyes. And then his footwork in the pocket, and especially this year, even more so, like that was an underrated aspect of his game last year. But his ability to step up into an even messy pocket and throw from some funky arm angles and kind of throw around defenders and still hit guys in stride. And his like his base got a lot better. His platform got a lot better. And that's why his yeah. accuracy, yeah, his accuracy got a lot better. So he kind of got away from these sidearms that he liked to do at Louisville and then do last year. But now that his base is a lot better, he can return to doing that because he's kind of just aiming his entire body in the right direction. So he's able to kind of navigate the pocket and throw around guys really well. Um, he just struggles sometimes. It feels like it's always a, sh- a shitty day out in Pittsburgh against the 49ers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, the chiefs, it was raining this year. He gets in his own head. It seems like really badly in inclement weather about kind of like, how do I, do I need to adjust? Do I not need to adjust? And he starts kind of double clutching a little bit. And like last week, he, he was not on his best game at all. And it's supposed to be 18 mile an hour winds in Buffalo. And I mean, I'm not sure if that's going to get in his head because you don't think about that as much as you might think about rain. But I mean, wind is a huge factor in throwing the ball, obviously. So we shall see how that affects him. It is. And he definitely touched on kind of how frustrated he was with the weather last week. He said, I think a reporter was asking him what the conditions were like. And he's like, you all saw what it was like out there. So, yeah, he's very much aware of that. And I think that is kind of a problem for him a little bit. Everyone talks about Lamar Jackson when talking about or when discussing the Ravens in general, but no one talks about the the Ravens defense that you mentioned, you know, that, that's put together such a good set or after the first four games of the season has really come along and really been able to shut teams down. I, what is what is does this Ravens defense have a weakness? I mean, have you seen anything? Is there any way to attack them? Yeah, so we talked about this on our show, and I think it's the uh, stretch running to the outside potentially because they aren't necessarily really fast at linebacker. They started the year fast at linebacker, but it was the inexperience of those fast guys that was kind of killing them. So they brought in some of these bigger guys like Bynes and Fort who are good against stopping the run up the middle, but I think some of those stretch runs, Raheem Mostert went well over 100 on them last week just doing that thing uh, or rushing the rock to the outside with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. So I would say speed is definitely an issue. Uh, they've got some aging guys like Earl Thomas. Sometimes he'll pull up every now and again if he's got a guy running by him because he doesn't want to get injured, which, you know, fair enough. I don't want him to get injured either. So do what you got to do there. But I would say speed is definitely a concern. And, uh, you know, getting fast, shiftier guys that can get in there and uh, go sideline to sideline on them uh, could be a way to exploit them. So obviously you guys had John Brown last season. He was part of, you know, the Ravens organization. He's with the Bills right now. You know he's a speed threat. Does he scare you at all defensively? from what what you know he can do? I would say yes, because if you just look at him as a player, you don't really think too much. I mean, even I even thought that when I was here, or when he was here, I thought he was going to have a decent season, but he blew my expectations out of the water, at least when he was with Flacco. He looked great. Uh, and he's just a guy who you don't know 
how he does it, but he just finds a way to get just enough open that he can get underneath the ball or he can find a way to shake a guy on these crossing patterns to get wide enough open that the ball uh, isn't going to have any challenge on it for him to go and catch it. So he's a guy that I definitely uh, am concerned about because uh, we know and, you know, know all about him and we love him up here st- or down here still. So, I, I mean, I look forward to maybe seeing you guys in the, in the postseason, as it were, and hopefully one of us knocks the Patriots out. All right. So that's all you can really root for if your team is uh, not in the mix. So I definitely would be rooting for that in that scenario. But uh, yeah, like I said, we're both big Bills Mafia backers around here. So uh, if it's not going to be the Ravens, we will be in your corner uh, going forward for the rest of the season. Oh, if the Ravens go down and the Bills are still alive, I'm I will paint my face. I will. I'm, I'm in. Baby. I'm in. And uh, I'm going to be cranking shout over the loudspeakers. It's yeah, it's going to be awesome. I want to thank Jacob and Spencer again for having me on their podcast and also answering a few questions for our podcast in this Ravens-Bills preview. And uh, we'll talk to you guys after the Bills-Ravens game. Thank you so so much for listening, and go Bills! Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.